0: Hey everybody, this is Hunter Williams. Today is going to be episode 87 of the NeuroEdge podcast. I'm going to be doing a little something a little bit different today. So I've got some topics I want to cover and I'm just going to do quick hits on each topic. I'm going to share a little bit of info on my screen and everything. And then what's really cool is I'm going to talk about some questions I had in my Facebook group this week. So I want to answer those in the best way I can. So I've prepared a little bit for that and everything. So before I jump on into everything. Again, this episode is going to be a little bit different. So usually I have a topic and I just break down that topic, kind of explain my thoughts on it, what I am thinking about it, and usually it's something that is geared towards health and fitness. That's pretty much what I'm going to be doing today, but today I want to talk about some topics that I've just had on my mind lately because I've been reading about them in books and they have repeatedly come up to me. So I want to go a little in depth on those topics and see how you like it. I would really Hope you are able to give me some feedback and kind of give me some insight into if this is a little bit better. And then also if this is, the way I was thinking about this is today we live in such an ADD culture and we are all over the place. Well, my brain is no different sometimes and there's a lot of different topics that I'd love to talk about and I'm really interested in talking about. So that's what I'm going to do today and just give it a shot and see how it works. So as always, before I jump into everything, just wanted to say thank you again. We just surpassed a thousand downloads for the podcast, and I am extremely grateful that ever listened in to my podcast or had anything to do with it. So again, my sincerest gratitude to all to you. And if you want to be a part of a community of like-minded people that are also talking and engaging in similar debates and discussions, head over onto the Facebook group. That will be in the podcast description and the YouTube description. So that being said, let's jump into today. What we we'll to be talking about, one, just to give you a brief overview, is going to be nonlinear dynamics. You may be thinking, what does that mean and what does it have to do with my health and well-being? I'll get to that. Two, anti-fragility. What does that mean? You may have heard that, you may have not. Three, magnesium deficiency and my thoughts on that lately. And then last and finally, I'm going to be talking about a couple questions that I had for my Facebook group. So we are going to hop in all onto those, and with that being said, what I'm going to do right now is share my screen. All right. Let's see. All right. So let's get on to it. what is nonlinear dynamics, and this is something that I first came across in the book by David Hawkins in Power Versus Force. And what he talks about is nonlinear systems. And traditionally we think of everything as being a linear system. So we have an idea and thought about whether that's our business, life relationships, that our course of everything goes kind of like this. It's in a linear fashion. And I, for much of that, much of my life thought that way and thought you make marginal increases into everything that you're doing. Well, I got introduced by this, um, it's definitely out there in kind of the entrepreneurial world, especially with a lot of software companies, everything, they try to think by this model. But then also, I came across it in this book by David Hawkins, Power, Versus, Force. And he talks about how much more power you have when you tap into nonlinear dynamic systems. And that sounds kind of esoteric, vaunted, and vague. But what I want to do is just give a brief overview. And if you've never heard this, maybe you can apply this to your thinking. The way I think about nonlinear systems and nonlinear dynamics is a mental model for how you view the world and a framework through which you understand and see things. So let's get into it. What does it say here? So nonlinear dynamics in the mathematics and mathematics and science, a nonlinear system is a system in which the change of the output is not proportional to the change of the input. So think about that for a second. That sounds kind of simple to say, but think about this in terms of your life. Is the... System that you're running. So I think about life is a system. Your health is a system. Your wealth is a system. The system you're running in which the change of the output is not proportional to the change of the input. So the way I think about that is I want to have the minimum amount of input to have the maximum amount of output. And bear with me because I know, again, this might sound a little vague. But think about it like this. You are working. And someone that works in a third world country on a farm Physically, outputs much, much more labor than I do, most likely, because they're working for 12, 14 hours a day on a farm doing manual labor. However, the results that they're getting from that labor are not the same type of results that you may get from doing information work or someone working in a bank or someone that's an entrepreneur that's creating something. Physically, you may be expending and expounding more calories for less of a result. So how do we flip that on its head? How do we do the minimum amount of work in order to get the maximum amount of gain? And that kind of thinking is a nonlinear system. It's not working harder to get more results. Yes, you wanna work as hard as you can. Yes, you wanna do what you can to get the maximum amount of results. However, what you really wanna do is think about a framework for a nonlinear system in which you're using leverage to increase the amount of results that you're getting. So let's go into this a little bit more. Nonlinear problems are of interest to engineers, biologists, physicists, mathematicians, and many other scientists, because systems are inherently nonlinear in nature. So nature kind of plays out our the systems in nature are not necessarily linear. As much as our human brain would like to condense them into something that's linear, they are just not. And nonlinear dynamical systems describing changes in variables over time may appear chaotic, unpredictable or counterintuitive contrasting with much simpler, linear systems. So think about that. What in your life may appear chaotic, unpredictable, or counterintuitive? Really let that sink in because there's so much of what we do on a day-to-day basis, whether it's in our job or relationships or whatever, it appears chaotic. But how can we use this counterintuitive nature to better understand what's going on around us? and think about our life in a non-linear system manner. And the way, again, that I like to think about this is, what can you do to use leverage to have the minimal input in order to achieve the greatest possible result? And I don't mean that by being lazy, I mean using what you have in order to maximize what you're getting, because a lot of people work hard, a lot of people put in hard effort, and they think the only way to make it to the next level is to work that much harder, to keep going and keep going and keep fighting. And I've been there, and I've done that in, especially my business, but it goes to nothing else. To go to your health, your well-being, your relationships, anything. Think about it this from a weightlifting standpoint for a second. To a certain extent, you're going to have diminishing returns. So if you lift every single day, eventually your body's going to get tired, and you're not going to be able to perform and you're not going to keep making gains. However, if you think about your training in a counterintuitive manner in a nonlinear way, what's the least amount of input that you can get to get the maximum amount of results. And when you start thinking like that, you're able to translate that minimum input into getting better and better results because you're filling your time with stuff that is more useful. So again, that's pretty much just my thoughts on, Nonlinear systems, to go into a bit more, as nonlinear dynamical equations are difficult to solve, nonlinear systems are commonly approximated by linear equations. So again, when you apply this to your life, it's going to be difficult to solve. I'm not saying this is easy, it's actually much harder. However, when you understand it, you can understand that it's it's better to yield massive results and a lot of companies, especially tech companies, whether you look at Elon Musk, Peter Thiel, some of the best nonlinear thinkers that we have in the world today, they have based their business models by getting the maximum amount of value out of the smallest amount of information that they're putting in at any given time. So that's my thoughts on nonlinearity. The next thing I wanted to talk about is anti-fragility. And I've been thinking about a lot about this lately. I just read a book by a guy named Nassim Nicholas Taleb, and he is a philosopher, economist, it's really cool, and especially with my background in finance, I resonate with a lot of the stuff he talks about. But he wrote this book called, I think it's called Becoming Anti-Fragile or Anti-Fragility or something like that. Anti-fragile. And it's a property of systems that basically, when you think about anti-fragility, it's a property of any system. And again, that can be your business, relationships, lifestyle, whatever. I think about our lifestyle as a system as well. that Increase as it's a property of the system that increases in capability to thrive as a result of stressors, shocks volatility noise mistakes faults attacks or failures again, it was uh, developed by Nassim Nicholas Taleb in his book anti-fragile As Taleb explains in his book anti-fragility is fundamentally different from the concepts of resiliency i.e. the ability to recover from failure and robustness the ability to resist failure The concept is applied to risk analysis, physics, uh, physics, molecular biology, transportation planning, engineering, aerospace, computer science. And I would argue in a lot of people, they have applied applied it to their lifestyle. So basically, he defines it as a convex response to a stressor or source of harm from some range of variation leading to a positive sensitivity to increase in volatility or variability, stress, dispersion of outcomes, or uncertainty, what is grouped under the designation disorder, disorder cluster. Likewise, fragility is defined as a concave sensitivity to stressors, leading to a negative sensitivity to increase in volatility. The relation between fragility, convexity, and sensitivity into, to disorder is mathematical, obtained by theorem, not derived from empirical data, mining, or some historical narrative. It is a priority. So what does that mean in English? Basically, I'll ex- explain that. That's his long-winded philosophical, technical definition. Basically, in English, that is going to mean that as something goes through more struggle, it becomes better. And that doesn't sound necessarily super, super easy to understand at first, but let me, let me give you my opinion of kind of how that works. If you are anti-fragile, things that stress you out actually make you stronger. So think about it from the standpoint of lifting weights, and I know I go back to again a lot of lifting weights, but that's a big part of my life. And I think that can be applied to help in other areas of life. When you lift weights, you are stressing your body out. So it's something that it's actually technically bad for you, not good for you because you're tearing your muscles. So in the normal sense of the term, you would think that, okay, tearing your muscles, that's not good. However, what happens is when you tear your muscles, they repair and they come back bigger and stronger than they were before in a very non-technical sense. Again, keeping it nice and easy here. So. How do you apply that same principle to other areas of your life and business? A lot of businesses, especially as they grow, become fragile. They become susceptible to different things, different changes in the supply chain, different changes of customer demand. Those can affect businesses in a very bad way if they're not prepared. However, if your business is anti-fragile, when things change, you're able to shift and adapt to it and it actually makes you better as a business over time. Also in your life, are you fragile or are you anti-fragile? And I don't mean as a person, obviously you can have fragile emotions, which is not a good thing. However, if you think about it from the standpoint of non-fragile emotions, things that may affect other people negatively may have a positive impact on you. So when you get rejected, and especially coming from a sales job that I do is you get rejected a lot. Does that tear you down or does it actually make you better? I would argue that it makes you better, especially if you are developing anti fragility and an anti fragile system for life. Because what happens is, as difficult and tough things happen to you, you're going to become better, better adaptable, and better adaptable to stress. I think if you look at the evolution of human history, the people that have gotten to succeed and gotten us to this point in the phase shift of humanity have been ones that are anti fragile. Because as things change, as they have change around them and in in their environment, they're able to adapt and use that to your advantage. So basically think about being anti-fragile as using change around you as an advantage rather than as a curse to say that, oh, I have all my resources around me, I don't wanna have to change anything. It's like being nimble and being able to respond rapidly to things and actually using the response to change for them. So basically, long story short, anti-fragile, means that when you're beating something up and making it really hard for whatever it is, again, that's your business life, work life, relationships, anything. When you're doing that, you're actually creating something that's better. And it goes back to the idea that these systems that we have, when you have stressors put on them, that actually makes them better. And it kind of goes back to something I've talked about in the past called hormesis. But again, anti-fragility, really cool concept that kind of explains um, why people succeed and fail. And then also if you really want to look at a framework for life, one nonlinear systems is really cool, but then also. So moving along, thought that was just something I've been thinking about lately. And I wrote a book on, so that was cool. Next thing I want to talk about is magnesium deficiency. So I have an article here from Dr. Axe. You don't know who that is. It's got a really cool health fitness company, they sell supplements and stuff like that. But one thing I've been thinking about is magnesium deficiency. And uh, I thought about this because I ran out of one of my magnesium supplements by take and then I got a different one that was actually much better and was much more absorbable called magnesium chloride. And I felt so much better when I started taking my magnesium again after being off of it for probably a little over a week, maybe two weeks, and I got a new supplement, again, magnesium chloride a lot more absorbable than the other form of magnesium that I was taking, which was magnesium malate. Magnesium malate is a pretty absorbable form, but this one is liquid and I think your body absorbed it better. But I noticed my sleep was so much deeper, but I wanted to talk about magnesium deficiency and how rampant it is today and how it's something that I think if people took more seriously, everyone would be much nicer because they would be in a better mood because their sleep would be better. And magnesium is a catalyst for a lot of the electrical synapses and electrical processes that take place within our body. So us think it's important that we help prime those electrical processes that are and chemical processes that are taking place with magnesium because it's extremely important to the function of those things taking place in our body. And again, it kind of relates to all that and it's going to make us overall healthier which I think makes the world a better place because you're gonna be happier if you're healthier. And if you're happier, you're gonna be nicer to the people around you. And eventually we're gonna create a better world. So what I want to talk about today is just some signs you may have magnesium deficiency, kind of what causes it. Um, number one is going to be soil depletion. So uh, GMOs and chemicals in our food have created a recipe for disasters, minerals removed, and stripped away are no longer available in the soil. The percentage of magnesium present in food is decreased. Um, digestive enzymes, or digestive, excuse me, digestive diseases like leaky gut can cause malabsorption of minerals, including magnesium. Chronic disease and medication use is an all time high in most chronic illness. It's associated with magnesium deficiency and lack of mineral absorption. So, again, even if you're taking it, you might not be absorbing it. Um, when you're following a keto diet, so if keto is something you're doing, even if you're drinking a lot of water, you will lose a lot of water weight and flush electrolytes out of your system, including magnesium, potassium, or sodium. Um, so, Should you worry about magnesium deficiency? I think yes, it all depends on your risk factors. Approximately 80% of people in society today have low levels of magnesium. So again, a lot of this comes from the fact that it's not in the soil, but um, just some symptoms you may have, leg cramps, insomnia, muscle pain, fibromyalgia, anxiety, high blood pressure, type two diabetes, fatigue, migraine headaches, osteoporosis. So again, those are all chronic health issues that we have in our society today, and I feel like a lot of those are caused by magnesium deficiency, and it's something obviously you see is a symptom of magnesium deficiency, but I just want you to think about that, and again, think about your supplementation with magnesium. If that's something that you're doing on a regular basis, you need to make sure that you are adding it in, and especially if you're an athlete that sweats a lot, like myself, is going to be really crucial for your overall health. So again, just remember to supplement magnesium. If you want to take a look at this, just go to Dr. Axe's website. He's got a lot of good stuff on there about it. So, um, really good stuff. Last but definitely not least, what I want to do was address some of the questions we had in the Facebook group. So, let's hop on into it. And these will going to be no holds barred, no sensor, anything like that. Um, Chris, Christopher Williams. He asked, what are the pros and cons of masturbation and man's masculinity? So I think this is actually a really relevant topic to society today. And I'm not going to talk about masturbation in the sense of how you're probably thinking about it, Chris. But I think it's more of a masturbatory lifestyle, if that makes sense. So what I mean is masturbation is this idea. Obviously, there's a sexual connotation to it, but it's also the idea that you are just synthesizing something in place of another. So what do I mean by that? Well, you can have things like mental masturbation where rather than going and implementing on ideas and tactics you have for your life, you just think about them or you just intellectualize about them through books and podcasts and et cetera. But don't get me wrong, books and podcasts are not bad, but if you don't take the information that you learn from books and podcasts and apply them to your life, I think that's a masturbation just as much as anything. Now, to get into maybe... Which you're talking more so about in masculinity and masturbation, I think it really is a waste. Your your energy is stored up with inside you and that's your life force and you're wasting it on something like that. Again, I would never tell anybody what to do. This is just my opinion. Um, it's going to be something that is that you're just kind of wasting and it's not going towards something positive. So Hopefully that helps uh, with you. Pros of it, I mean, maybe it frees up some internal stress you have, but I think there are much more cons in terms of this idea of masturbation. Again, I think more of that is a framework for not just probably what you're thinking about, but just your lifestyle in general. So are you squandering things around you or are you actually making a difference working on things you wanna work on and providing the value to the world that you wanna show up and provide? So hopefully that helps Chris. Uh, next one was Matthew. He said, how do you define enlightened masculine and what does that mean? Great question. And I've been thinking about this one a lot, Matthew. Um, I think enlightenment. when we have this idea of enlightenment, enlightenment, you have to be very careful because I don't think anybody should ever tell you what enlightenment means. That's something that you have to reach within yourself and get to within yourself and understand within yourself. And I think that's kind of by definition, enlightenment is reaching a state within yourself in which you're comfortable with yourself, you're comfortable with your faith, whatever that is, and you're comfortable with how you're approaching the world and how you're approaching the work that you want to do with your life. Now, when we pair that with masculine, I think uh, throughout history, masculinity has been maybe something that we now think of as negative because it's caused wars, it's caused different things, but also there's been many benefits we've had creation of economies and all this because of the masculine energy so energy in our world so when i think of enlightened masculine i think of recognizing masculinity from that standpoint of it's gotten us to where we're going to want to go but kind of transcending to the next level and realizing that we don't need to be violent and we don't need to be super aggressive towards other people it's channeling that aggression into something that's productive and enlightenment i think part of enlightenment realizes that we're here to serve others So channeling that aggressive masculine energy that wants to take on the world and make change in the world, but then pairing that with more of an enlightened view, which is serving others and helping make the world a better place. So that's kind of my thoughts. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts, Matt, on what you said on that. So, and then Michael came in with a really good question. He said, since so many things have been redefined, how does one get enlightened without reinventing? Absolute truth. Well, I think kind of to go back to the idea of enlightenment, first of all, enlightenment should not be anything that you ever pay anybody for that you ever get from anybody else. That's going to be have have to become something that you discern within yourself and determine for yourself based on how you see the world and your spiritual journey as a person. Um, However, to address kind of how do you get enlightened without reinventing absolute truth? That's a good one. I mean, absolute truth in the sense of everybody's gonna see the world differently. So is it absolute to say that there are no absolutes? I don't know, that's kind of a circular question and circular circular logic. Um, sure, everything is being redefined, but we are also kind of in a new era where information is all over the place and we have all these things going around us. So I don't, truth is weird because there's so much information out there now how do you discern truth from falsehood? And if you want to take a deeper look into that, there's a book by David Hawkins called Truth Versus Falsehood. It kind of talks about this idea of developing intuition and how we develop intuition to discern within ourselves. And that's something that I think just me personally, I pray to, pray for to receive from God is just intuition discernment about how we see the world. But again, um, enlightenment is going to be something that I don't think one, it's not a point that you reach in your life and you say, I'm good for the rest of your life and you can kind of coast. I think it's something that you realize within yourself that you are striving for and working towards to get better every single day. So, those are just my thoughts. And uh, I would love to hear your guys' feedback. If I'm right, if I'm wrong, please let me know. I welcome all debate and discussion on that. So, again, if you are not in the Facebook group, this is another reason to head over to the Facebook group because we've got some good questions in there. But I just want to say thanks again for everyone that listened to this really cool episode. And I want to do more of this. So ask more questions in the group. I'd love to address some of the stuff. It really gets me thinking and is very rewarding for me, but hopefully it's rewarding for you as well. So again, thanks for tuning in guys. That was episode 87 and I will talk to you guys soon. Peace.